I'm here to attempt to answer the final question in our series of questions for God. And the question is, why should I even care about this? Uh, My guess is that if you're asking why should I even care about this, you probably don't care why you should care. Uh, But I'm asking you, the talk will go for about 15 minutes. So if you can give me 15 minutes of your attention, your care, uh, I'll try and keep it. So I'm going to pray to God now that he would help us with that. So please pray with me. Dear Lord, we, uh, we pray that you would be with us tonight. Help me to speak clearly and in a right way about the Bible and about what you are telling us through it. We pray that we would give it our careful attention, that we would care about what it is saying and what that means for our lives. Amen. Do you know that uh, there's an anxiety that's being diagnosed in people today more than any other time? The anxiety, the deep worry that we have is that we worry about the potential of missing out on life. We worry about missing out on a good party so much that the term stabo has been come up with. And this term's been used so often that our generation has been defined by it. If you, if you didn't know, we're the Stabo generation. Stabo being the acronym of subject to a better offer. If anyone invites you to just about any event, you say, oh, probably, maybe, I might come. That is, I might come if nothing better comes up. But if it does, I probably won't. You know, we miss fearing out on a potential better offer so much that we won't commit to what's right in front of us. It's why employers find it difficult to hold on to young workers. The job's fine, but a new job offer comes up and it, it might be better. So we leave. The Stabo generation leaves, fearing missing out on the new job. It's why we click the maybe button on a Facebook event. Why would anyone use that button other than to say Stabo? That's, hey mate, your event looks really cool. I might come, but if something better comes up, I probably won't. problem is, what we fear about missing out on is often what happens to us. We don't commit to a party, we don't give it our care, and by the time we realise that nothing better's actually come, it's too late to RSVP. And it's the same with Jesus and the stuff we've been talking about. Our fear of missing out on what we think is life may actually cause us to miss out on what really matters. And that's why you should care about this. You should care about this because you don't want to miss out on real life. From the section of the Bible Maddie read for us earlier, we're just going to look at verses 7 to 10. Now this section of the Bible might be confusing at first. The people listening to Jesus, at the end of the passage, they didn't know what to make of him. They were confused. And Jesus starts by referring to himself as a gate. What does that mean? Well, Just like today, people in Jesus' time saw a gate as access to heaven. But instead of pearly gates with St. Peter standing in front of them, here Jesus says that he is the gate, that he is how you can know about heaven and he is how you can get there. There is an offer here to enter heaven by the gate which Jesus provides. Jesus quickly moves on. He's almost setting up options and he talks about sheep, thieves and robbers. Now, when the Bible uses the term sheep, it usually is talking about the people. 
And when it uses the term shepherds, it's usually talking about their leaders. It refers to the sheep here in this passage um, and who they were or weren't listening to. And the leaders are probably standing there going, yeah, 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 sheep. They're the people. He's about to talk about us, the shepherds. But he doesn't say shepherds. He says thieves and robbers. He's slamming the leaders here. In fact, in the section of Bible just gone, they rejected and threw out a blind guy. Jesus moves on to describe what each option will be like. So the gate, Jesus, what will it be like if we use it? Well, you'll be saved. You can come in and go out. That's freedom. You can find pasture. That's security and provision. And what will it be like following those who came before Jesus, those other than Jesus, the thieves? Well, the words steal, kill, and destroy, we're meant to get that the thief is bad news. But how will the thief, a false teacher, a leader who should be caring for you, steal, kill, and destroy? How will that happen? Well, they'll fail to care for you. They'll cause you to follow things other than Jesus. Jesus knows that people look in the wrong places for acceptance in life, for happiness in life, for satisfaction in life. The false teachers were encouraging this, but they were only caring for themselves and rejecting those who wanted to follow Jesus. People today reject Jesus. They don't follow him. And they don't want you to either, and they'll try and sell a life that they promise is fulfilling. Jesus is telling you, they will only steal, kill, and destroy. It's actually how advertising companies, they work on this. They know it too. They sell you free sex, having more money in your bank account, and being at the top. It's the, the free sex, the Lynx deodorant ad, that if you use their deodorant, all of a sudden, thousands of chicks will be attracted to you. It's, they know that's what you want. It's the, the sporting event, almost every major sporting event, the advertising companies, they jump on it and they want to sponsor the winner because they want me to think that if I, if I wore Nikes, then all of a sudden I could stop sucking at sport and I could be like that winner at the top. But really, if, if sex really satisfied, why are the newspapers full of celebrities getting themselves into trouble seeking more? And if money really satisfied, why do millionaires still work? Why don't billionaires ever retire? And if being at the top satisfied, why did Michael Jordan change sports? Uh, you know, Michael Jordan, the best basketballer of his time, perhaps ever. I don't know if you know, he had a go at baseball. Uh, if you watch Space Jam, that'll catch you up on it. Um, but why did he do that? Because being at the top, it didn't satisfy. I think we know it anyway. We, we go for two surfs in one day. If surfing satisfied, surely that morning surf, we need to go again. It's the next PlayStation game. We get to the top level. We're the top wizard. And we've got to look for the next game to play. Whether it's sport, computer games, boyfriends, girlfriends, money, they don't satisfy. But how will they steal, kill, and destroy? Well, they rob you. They're the opposite of freedom. They actually enslave you as you search for satisfaction. If you're looking for real life in sex, 
money or just having fun, you won't find it there. If that's what you care about, you'll miss out. You'll miss out on real life. And Jesus, he, he says again in comparison to the thief, that he has come that they may have life and have it to the full. He, he isn't a party pooper. He doesn't want you to miss out on real life. If the thief steals, kills and destroys, Jesus provides, gives life and protects. He saves, gives freedom and security. Jesus is offering real life and you should care about it because you don't want to miss out. There's another reason that you should care about this stuff though. You should care about this because Jesus was willing to miss out. In verse 11, just alone, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So how does Jesus miss out? Jesus is the one who misses out for a time on the glory that was rightfully his. You see, he is God. He's from heaven. He left his home in heaven to come to earth to live among us. He missed out on the perks of being God, of being in heaven, to come lay down his life for us. Jesus gave up all that was his. He sacrificed the riches of heaven so that we could have life and life to the full. Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, I want to tell you three things about Jesus missing out that should make you care. First, Jesus missing out was real. It was planned. And lastly, it was huge. So Jesus missing out was real. Last year, a professor of ancient history, a guy called John Dixon, he tweeted the challenge that if anyone could find a full professor of ancient history from any university in the world, who thinks Jesus never lived, that he would eat a page of his Bible. John Safran, he retweeted it to his 60,000 followers. And we're still waiting for a professor to come forward. And John Dixon's Bible and his stomach, they're waiting to meet. You see, according to ancient historians, Jesus' life and death is real, whether Christian or not. If you're thinking to yourself, this stuff didn't actually happen, so why should I care about it? Think again. Check out Jesus to see if he was real, if he really did miss out, if he really came to earth. Now, the awesome thing is that you can. Jesus coming to earth, him missing out, it took place in a real place and a real time in history. So what's important about Jesus missing out? about him dying that should make me care. So this is the second point. It's because it was planned. Jesus didn't just get unlucky and happen to die. He knew that his life was required and he gave it willingly. I think we know of the importance of death. You know, when you're watching a movie and the main character has to die, it's, it's always the last solution. The director wants you to know that what the main character is dying for is a big deal. And death, it gets our attention in real life as well. Asylum seekers, it was a bit of a hot topic last year. What added to our level of interest was that people could die if the wrong decision was made. We're interested when the threat of death's announced. 
And Anzac Day, it gets our attention. Why? Because people died for you. It's actually normal that when you hear of a guy who claims to be dying for you, to care about it. So if you're thinking, why should I even care about this? What's so special about someone dying? At the very least, it's because it was planned and it was in the script. And lastly, if you'll stick with me, you should care about this because Jesus willingly missing out is huge. Jesus willingly missing out was all a part of a rescue mission. Now, you may not think that you need to be rescued. My job right now isn't to convince you that you do need that. So please just stick with me and I'll try and show you why this huge rescue mission that shows up ought to make you care. First, I'll explain the size of this mission of Jesus missing out. And I think I need to do it because we often have a view of ourselves and our view of God messed up. We think that we're more important than what we are and we think God's less important than what he is. And for him to show up and rescue me, it's not that big a deal. But it is. God showing up to rescue us, him missing out. It's like, and I only say like because it's so far short, it's like the President of the United States, the most powerful man in the world, who signs his name, says a word, and almost anything will happen. It's like him sending himself on a dangerous rescue mission that will cost his life to save you, some insignificant Central Coast teenager. The president for you, it's huge. Now imagine the president is rescuing you and you're in a hostage situation. And Obama, he bursts through the door, he takes down the bad guys and he says to you, I'm here to rescue you. You realize you're in a hostage situation, right? You'd be like, sweet, those guys were bad, I'm glad you're here, I'm going with you. But imagine that you weren't in the hostage situation. Back a few steps. You're in, or you're on, a beach in Hawaii, thinking that life was great. You had not a need or care in the world. And the president, he shows up, and the entire American Defense Force is behind him, and he says to you, I'm here to rescue you. Well, maybe you'd go with him, and maybe you wouldn't, because Hawaii is pretty nice. But surely you would wonder, surely you would ask, what's he doing here? I wonder if I am in trouble. What the heck is Obama doing here? The same questions need to be asked of Jesus. What the heck was God doing here 2,000 years ago? Why do you show up? Am I in trouble? Do I need rescuing? When Jesus shows up and says, I'm here to rescue you. I'm laying down my life for you. That should make you care. If you are here tonight and you've realized that you're in trouble, Jesus showing up, it shows that there's no other way that you're going to be rescued. If it took God himself to give up and miss out, it shows that you were helpless and hopeless without him. And now that he has arrived, it wouldn't make sense to think that you could get out of the trouble that you're in any other way. 
if you could, why would Jesus have sent his son who he loved? But if you are here tonight and you get to see that you're in trouble, that you think that you're on a beach in Hawaii and that life's great, you don't need or care for anything, when Jesus shows up, when you hear about how he's missed out, that should make you care. Care enough to ask, why? Well, he's missed out so that you don't have to. And he's holding out an offer for real life. Don't stabo it. So will you take up this offer tonight? What would ever stop you? Becoming a Christian means having Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. It means following him as your shepherd, your leader, your king, and trusting in your king who's died to save you. If you want to become a Christian tonight, start trusting in Jesus and what he's already done for you, what he's already done to rescue you. A great way to begin that relationship of trust is to tell him that that's what you're going to do. So I'm going to pray in a moment, and if you want to tell him that you're going to start trusting in what Jesus has already done for you, you can just repeat what I say, just in your head. So I'm going to pray now. If you'd like to join me, please follow along. Jesus, I know that I'm in trouble without you. I'm sorry that I've looked for life in places other than you. Thank you for rescuing me. And please help me to live with you as king. Amen.